counting this down? Or are we just ready? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the Thursday show. Hey, this is like the fourth one. So, if this, yeah, if this is your first time, thanks for joining us. If this is your fourth one, welcome back. Uh, normally, we get like a countdown, but no, they were like, hey, Paul, just start talking. I'm like, I didn't really stop until I didn't think we were, well, whatever. Save that for another time. I'm joined this evening by Adam Camilleri. Evening, everybody. How's it going? And Alan Pajama Pants. What's up, everybody? This is the Thursday show on the Frontline Gaming Network. Please like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. We're going to be running down uh, tournaments coming up over the weekend. Some of the personalities you'll see there, some of the lists you're going to see, some of the lists we think you're going to do all right, and some that we just want to do right in the bottom of our hearts. And we want to talk about uh, maybe some of the thought process we think people are are taking going into this event. Welcome. How y'all doing this week? Man, I am rock freaking solid, and I gotta lay, I gotta allow Paul his time to lay some smackdown on Alan because unlike weeks gone past, Death Guard had some decent showings. <laughs> it's like a broken clock is is right uh, twice, you know, a day or whatever. But actually, I do think the Death Guard has some. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a hot take on Death Guard when we when we jump into that because I think there's one that we can actually talk about coming up in one of these events. So uh, w- one of the events we want to talk about is the Geelong GT in Australia on the other side of the way. It's actually Friday there, right? As we mentioned each week. Yeah, so this in event starts. Yeah, Futureland. This event starts tomorrow. I was supposed to be going to this event. I submitted a Black Templars list, which, you know, it was obviously I was going to win, obviously. So, uh, it's you know, I, I'm, I'm allowing everyone else a better opportunity. But, um, yeah, there's some really exciting stuff happening there. And unfortunately, that is our only GT-level event for this weekend. But, hey, we got a GT-level event this weekend. Let's not look at, let's look at the positives. Uh, hey. 44 players in lovely kind of nice Geelong, which is about an hour outside, hour and a half outside Melbourne, which is the, the main city in Victoria. That's the the state at the bottom of Australia, above the island. For those at home, how many poisonous <laughs> snakes are in Geelong? That's what I want to how, know. What was that? How many poisonous snakes are in that city? Most of them. I was going to say. I mean, it's not all. We got we got okay, tons. Of, we got tons of it, but there is a lot. Uh, more spider territory than snakes is this time of year. We're still in the middle of winter. Like, it's just it's just one big spider nest, and you just have to fight your way in. You guys seen the Walking spiders? Dead? We do. We do. Well, we have spiders all year round, Paul. But okay. in winter, the the huntsmen's uh, they go bananas. I was actually walking. I was actually walking uh, home from the train station last night with my partner, and there was like a, a hand sized spider just sitting there on the on the paling. We're just like, ah, look at that fella. He's having a good time. He's out, out in the town. There you go. <laughs> he said a hand sized spider. It's big. I have, a feeling, I have a feeling my wife would lose her mind. So Yeah, it's just kind of a fact of life in a lot of places in Australia. And those are the good ones, man. You see a huntsman spider, you're like, you are a boss. I'll keep you around. Because that guy, he runs down and eats all the dangerous spiders. So just do like you, chases do them you, down, you, tears them apart. Do you use like a traditional dice bag where you can't see inside and you have to like dig in it for your dice? Or do you just use glass? Like gallon gallon bags. Yeah. Like clear yeah, containers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everything that we exist in. If you've seen Magneto, you know when Magneto gets caught and he's in his like glass prison? That's literally Australia's way of life. Like toilet seats, you know, all the walls. You want to see if right. your mate's home, you just look up. As a, you just see straight through his fence, straight into his front front living room. Ah, he's all right. He's having a great night watching the footy. I expect uh, but, nothing else. And later on in this episode, back by popular demand, we have the Fuego Rapido. Uh, we will run down some uh, exciting and potentially controversial topics. So, and we have a soundbite lovingly donated by the Ether. We'll see if you can figure out who recorded this when it gets played. But it's a thing. But transitioning over to the meat and potatoes here, um, 
Yeah, Geelong Town Open's happening. Like I said, 44 players. Lovely Geelong. We've got a couple of lists to talk about. Um, as is the story with Australia, and you may find this, guys, we, we talk about Australian events. There aren't many people from Australia who managed to crack the top 100. We don't particularly have events big enough to get those super major scores that a lot of other places like Europe and America do. The top place... Uh, sorry, just apologies. I'll jump at the gun. The quick and dirty stats here. Um, 14 total Marines, but the breakdown there, the most numerous of the Marines in attendance is four Death Watch, three Blood Angels. Death Watch making a bit of a resurgence, which is quite interesting. Past that, we've got five Drakari players, four Death Guards, Death Guard having a good showing as well, four Necrons, three Admech, and yeah, like I said, the five Drakari. So Drakari being the numerous single faction, like non-super faction or whatever. So yeah, what do you guys make of that? Still seeing... Um, Drakari, Admech starting to come up, only three out of 44. But yeah, what do you guys make of the breakdown? Uh, Drakari are every bit as lethal as, as they were before. Uh, and if they're still playing with things like the terrain being a factor of what it is, uh, or if people are just prepared, that's what they were rolling into this tournament season with. Mm -hmm. I expect to still see many of them, but they are still very good. Absolutely. Alan? Yeah, no, I, I think it's cool that you walked through it and you're just like, there's four of this and four of that and four of this and four of that. And it's just very diverse. You know, you start adding all the fours together and all of a sudden you're getting closer and closer and closer to that 44 total players or 40 plus players. And um, it's nice to see the diversity. So I think that's the biggest takeaway. Well, there's let's talk about being played. Yeah, Death Watch for a second. Uh, so mm -hmm. Death Watch is one of those things that we anticipated early on as being something that had to grow into itself. It said it had all these rules for armies that no one were, were really taking. And now we're starting to see some of those armies filter their way back into the fabric of the tournament. Does that by nature make the Death Watch potentially better are the fact that maybe potentially primaris marines are getting more powerful also making some of their their uh little used uh what are they um uh death watch kill teams. yeah kill teams kill teams yeah uh a lot more like attractive i mean I would, yeah i would say i would say yeah i think you know death guard is definitely one of those skill-based armies where you do have to really understand all the situational aspects so you know, I could see we death got lots of death and lots of watches and guards. It's death watches what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Death watch. Death watch. They uh they have a lot of strats, they have a lot of things that are situational. So I do think over time they will have the ability to uh to really, you know, kind of come out and have their own, you know, their own play style. I I, I still don't think, you know, they're top tier of an army, but I, I do expect to see, you know, more players playing them. So I'm not surprised. Is it a skill-based army? Is, is and, and yeah, Adam, jump in here. Do you think it's a skill-based army that, that uh, if you have the situational tech, you can really make the most of it of every game? So there's a lot of different moving parts when it comes to Death Watch and the way in which they play. A lot of people looked at Death Watch when they came out and they're like, oh, this is the way you play the next tier of elitism in into your Space Marines. As in, instead of having um, what people were trying to do a lot of the time at the time, which was uh, more MSU-based um, Space Wolves, Blood Angels, White Scars, um, they had this conglomeration of everything and more, almost like min, like three or four mini Death Stars inside your Indomina kill teams and your, whichever the ones are that have the Outriders in them, etc. Yeah, five um, Outriders then, can't get that anywhere yeah. else. But then people started realizing, hey, this is a way of actually playing a different style of MSU. It's a style of MSU in which you can start to proliferate things like OBSEC upon things like Outriders, five Outriders with OBSEC, or what people have leaned to in now because they realize the, the Outriders are unfortunately a little too expensive into the min four damage meta, which was all the Dark Lances and things. They just get popped. Um, they're going back to regular bikes. So uh, just five regular bikes and then five regular Marines. So in, in, in sense, you get five veterans, Vanguard veteran-esque, um, and then five obsec bikes, which you'd have to go to literal, a, a full Ravenwing detachment in Dark Angels to get a similar 
effect. Um, and so people have realized this is a different way of playing MSU. And on top of that, you get some things you don't get anywhere else. You get involves on vehicles that doesn't require a cast, doesn't require a spell, just requires it one CP for a relic, or even if you want to take it as your single free one. Um, and so people are realizing this is a good way of making some of these dreads and things more reliable, more resilient on the table against those things that I just mentioned, those min four damage weapons, all the dark lances, the melters, etc. And so I expect I expected to see this pivot a little bit, especially when I saw guys like uh, John Lennon playing the Ultramarines. I looked at that Ultramarines list and like, if you took away the redeploy gimmick, which is very strong, Death Watch is just hands down better. Absolutely well, hands down well, better. Well, the Death Watch has some tricky maneuver, the maneuvers too, right? I mean, can't they like beam down a unit of, of you know, like Hellblasters or something, which traditionally seem to be a unit that can't really find its place? But this is an army, I think, that you might be able to fold them in. And I don't know what's in these these uh, these folks' list here. They may have this, they may not have that, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't want to count Death Watch out. No, you're, you, you actually make up a good point, Paul. So what we're talking about is two completely different things. So when I address Death Watch, I was talking about like the tr traditional Death Watch. When you think of Death Watch, you think of kill teams, you think of stratagems where they can take advantage of, you know, the type of army they're playing against, the stratagems against that particular army, the situational aspects of like the units and how they're, you know, you know um, mixed and, and all the special rules you can get within one squad how you can take advantage of that. That's the traditional Death Watch approach. And you're right, there is something there, and that's what I was speaking to, that that will take time, and there will be players who love to play that. If you compare all those special rules to Mechanicum or Sisters or even probably Orcs when they come out, they're not as dynamic. They don't have as much as those codexes. So they're, they're left wanting a little bit. And that's why we're seeing competitive players play something like John Lennon's list, which, yes, it is Death Watch, of course. But is it really Death Watch? No. Mm. It's just Dreadnought yeah. with all rerolls. That's all it is. It's where can I get the most efficient shooting with the most probability to cause the most damage? And they found that in Death Watch with a couple of combos with the relics and Contemptor, the Contemptor Relic Dread and you know mm. other things that they can take like the Redemptor Dread. But that's not really the traditional Death Watch. So when you think of Death Watch, it really depends on what type of army you're actually talking about. The Dread approach is really just kind of high tier meta busting marine play. The other, the other one with the kill teams and the mixed squads and taking, taking, uh, you know, um, being aware of strategic situations. That's the traditional Death Watch. They're very, they're very yeah. separate. Yeah, and, and it's good you clarified that because you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that list for another couple of months still. I think that one's still a little ways off. I, I, I think that list needs orcs in the meta, needs tyrannids in the meta, it needs those things for those uh, those kill teams to get full full value for investment yeah. um because right now you, you get like a kill team you put like five eradicators in or five you know and then have five heavy intercept heavy intercessors and like one half of that piece was is redundant in that matchup like you play orcs you're like well these five eradicators yeah, they're really wasted deep. points yeah. um exactly yeah so to speak uh we'll jump it down we'll talk about our, our top place gentlemen the highest ranked hey, hey wait a second you can't oh, like forget the fact that there are three <laughs> blood angels uh, in, in this mix here uh, and uh, looking at the field and looking at the number of players uh, you know Blood Angels you know, faction near and dear to my heart have been struggling a little bit in the rankings but this may be uh, an area for them to be able to excel I'm going to be very curious to see how they do over the weekend uh, Alan have you seen um, Blood Angels match up into things like Drakari things like Admech in your opinion yeah Blood Angels are lacking really from from a from an overall army core concept right they're supposed to be the overall aggressive army and I think you know sanguinary guard was really the the real big pitch with just mass I know junior was very effective with you know running I think three squads of those in in a couple events and I think he just 28 30 sanguinary guard 
always used yeah. to always he, just get it done. Yeah. He just got second place at the 40 K yeah. uh, major event. So I think, you know, blood angels is one of those armies that a lot of people have either heard about what they were in third edition or played them in third edition and just, just love them forever. Those, a lot of old time players have been playing blood angels for a long time. It was my first army when I started 40 K, you know, people really like blood angels. People like the theme. So I think that's why people will stick to it. But I think in terms of like close combat, they're just, they're outmatched by dark Eldar purely by points. points. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just, there's just not even close in terms of damage output for points. So that's the real problem where they're trying to compete. There is a, there's a bigger dog in that park. That's what I love about this field, though. So with the, with the number of players that we have and the, and the saturation of that list, I, I think you can get some great matchups and still finish up near the top. Oh, yeah. 40K yeah. right now, yeah. you could pretty much play anything. If you play it well, you can go to almost any GT and you can have a one loss record with almost any army. That, that, and I've never said that before in any previous edition. So I, I really like that, too. I wish I can go to more events right now. So it, it's definitely yeah. like that for me. That's my opinion, at least. I totally agree with that. If you've been playing like a, an eighth edition codex and you've been playing that thing pretty solid for the last like two years, chances are you can do well at any event. Um, I, I'm not going to say you're going to win. Like I, I think that's pretty foolhardy and arrogant to, to say that. But 100, yeah, call, you have call a, you your have a, shot. You, you know, have a punch. No, game. You everyone's got to punch his chance, man. That's it. And and uh, and also three admec armies. And, and and I know we're trying to move to the to the deeper end of the meat of this, but do we think admec are still suffering from that like hobby lag as people catch up? I know that mine aren't. Uh, you know, my new list isn't all the way painted. Do you, do you think that that's what's holding it at three or is that just the landscape of Geelong? It might also be models in Australia. I have no idea, Adam, yeah. what's your model situation so, there? Cause we're talking about like 80 Vanguard slash, you know, mm. you know, uh, Rangers. So, so I'll tell you guys right now, uh, so in in Victoria, the state that I live in, um, when we were looking for to field uh, players for our state team in our state competition, we have like a WTC esque interstate competition, like like the American ATC, but each state has to have a representative team rather than just whoever wants to just pull a team together and go for it. Um, so eight players, we were like scratching ahead, we're like we don't have a dedicated admec player, and we were thinking about why is because it's prohibitively expensive here it's, it's they're a hard army to master as into master you can you can just chuck down the best gun line you can play and hell you're just going to be a better tower army in this edition at the moment um but to truly master that codex is something that's always been difficult it's always been a really really hard you know ring to grab on top of that it's it, when when admec is good you, the models sell out here uh, immediately and then they're very hard to get after that um so 100 the hobby lag situation for admec is a really big deal down here i'm actually impressed we've got three players out of 40 44 45 um, i think that's actually pretty good for us one, one of those being a gentleman whose list we'll talk about soon who's gonna who i'm gonna get my boot up for because he's my shoe in for this baby but uh yeah, well, if you want, we'll jump into some of these lists. But I do think Admech is going to be on the rise in Australia and worldwide. It's just it's just a couple of weeks, a couple of months away. Well, uh, Tomonashi Express in the chat mentions that people might not be as confident with them as well. So even if they do have the models, they are ready. But they might not be as confident because of the, some of the complexity of the layers of rules yeah. going into them, yeah. bringing them to an event. They might bring something, especially over the course of a weekend, where it could be, could be a grind for uh, for folks that they want to do something that's a little bit uh, easier on on. The the uh, the heart and the mind from game to game is you know that could be a could be a factor outside of I would say outside of movement at the new admec book is very forgiving very forgiving you just have to get movement right you can forget a whole bunch of other stuff and you'll be fine well um, when to pop off your your canicles and your in your psalms <laughs> I think or sorry your yeah your doctrina and your psalms in which order that that is 
I, I think the, what's going to make mm. or break a lot of admin players out there. But I, I tend to agree with Alan. I think it's um, you're always going to be moving with foresight. You're always be moving, moving with you the um, the the limitations of your command abilities in mind. Like okay, so this this unit has to move over here to screen out this backfield from deep strike. But next turn needs to be within six of these guys and three of these guys in order to do this buff and this buff and over there blah blah blah. You're right, and that's why. I see newer players lean towards those traditional um, gunline builds, which are the ones that are easiest to handle. They're the most punitive to, to get slapped in the face with by the opposition. But at the same time, I know what they're going to do. Like they're just going to reach out from one side of the table and just push my models back into my case. Um, and But it's the guys, the list that really scare me are the janky ones, the ones with like one or two of everything in there. And you're like, holy crap, I have a, I, I know I know about twenty percent of what all these things can do, yep. and the rest of it is just going to butcher me. I'm not going to see it coming. Yeah, wait. There's a target for every stratagem in the on the book on the yeah. table. I don't. I, yeah. What's going to happen to my face? You know. <laughs> and that's a that's a comfort that's a confidence thing. Remember, Alan pointed out a Drakari build a couple of weeks ago where a gentleman, uh, one of the Swiss Switzerland uh, uh, WTC captain, he took just one of everything in his Drakari army. Just like I right, one of everything, one of Ravens, one of the Hellions, one of the nothing was max size, nothing was optimum size, just one of everything. I'm like, this guy is just gonna run rings around people because they, everyone only knows what like 40 percent of that book does at the yeah. moment. Daniel Hesselberg is the captain yeah. of in Sweden, so uh, great player, legend. great guy. I, I like yeah. him a lot. Uh, and if you're much. if you're worried about Admech, as, as you know, what I would recommend you do is when you do play test and when you go to a tournament, make geometrical objects out of like cardboard or styrofoam or whiteboard. I do that a lot with armies on, on all kinds of things. You can make all the things that, you know, Adam was just talking about. You need circles for auras. You can literally put it on your model. You can, you, you can move that around. So you get used to those movements and you can even bring it to a tournament. There's no rules against yep. you bringing, yep. you know, templates to help you with all your spacing. Cause your, your intent is to be within those ranges. So those templates can help you do it. I, I would recommend that. Uh, we, we got a comment in the chat that says, can we argue that Castle Admech lists do seem to be a little more simple to play in the in play style uh, than some of the other meta lists that we are seeing? And and uh, Adam, I know for a fact you've been playing Black Templar and, every, you know, maybe and you had a confrontation with Admech. Yeah, I played against Admech for the first time at an RTT on the weekend. And he, he was like the gun line. He had two of each tank he had like i think it was seven or eight chickens he had a, you know a bunch of msu rangers and hounds and sorry and uh service raiders two bombers as well and yeah it was just like so much firstly so much stuff you just get so much bang for your buck there especially when you're talking about the back line of your army being like seven or eight chicken walkers and it's not even like uh, it's not even a quarter of your army uh, just for that like the best shooting uh, anti you know anti mech shooting unit in the game there is yeah yeah, that there is that exists, and uh, so yeah, I was like, just uh, I, everything, every every piece of terrain needs to be used perfectly. I, I would I'm say, just gonna get wrecked. I would answer that question by saying, yeah, a static army is obviously easier to play, but there mm. are a couple of missions, several missions actually, which require you to play mid board at least at a minimum, and those are the games where you do have to make sure you're making all those ranges and you're in auras and you're 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 moving in the correct way. Uh, because if you get caught, you know, that's the only part that's unforgiving. If you get caught and you don't have a buff or you don't have a benefit or you don't have what you need uh, to really take advantage of either enough offensive like opportunity or, you know, hinder your opponent from their offensive opportunity with some some kind of defense. So that's really the main thing with Admech right now. But you know, actually – uh, Alan, that's one of my questions for you is, is do you think there's a list out there uh, that can stand up to just basically standing and shooting? Or are there any uh, just gun line – move down the table, leaf blow as you will, uh, armies out there 
uh, that can win the missions, can win a tournament that way? Is, is Should people be on the lookout for things like that? Uh, or should, should people, if they are taking them, feel like they have a shot at winning the whole thing? Yeah, I think I think Admix the closest thing to that right now. I'm curious to see what 120 toughness five boys do and how many points they are. But um, but Admix right now can do that. But like again, you have to nail movement. That's the most important part. You can forget some strats or you can forget some some of the offensive powers because it'll, it'll all pan out for you in that in that army. It just has so much. But uh, but movement's key. So you could you could do that, Paul. But you just need to make sure movement's solid. And sorry, I just, Adam. Uh, I just added a Rapido uh, to our Rapido one. The last one is going to be, should we play the scouring in every missions pack? And <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, I know I jumped uh, or segued us from, from talking about some of the notable players that you were going to see at this event over the weekend. Uh, and I'm sure you're close to them. Tell us about the folks we're going to see there. Yeah, so the top players gentleman at this event is uh, Mr. Jason Cavalier from uh, one of the Portland crew who's uh, on the other side, is down the coast from Geelong. Um, he's playing Death Guard, he's playing a Terminus S Strike Force. This guy's been going to a lot of events. He's had some really good showings. And he's been he's been leaning really, he's, he's hard on the on the mono um, Death Guard. And he's playing in such a way that it doesn't really matter what he's against. He's like never going to get less than 60 points. I'll run it down for you guys quickly. Starts off with um, Harbinger, of course. He's Terminus S, has to be. He has a Death Company Demon Prince. A malignant players caster, one, two, three, four, four units of 20 poxwalkers, one unit of 19 poxwalkers coming in at the uh, 99 poxwalkers for some reason, uh, but you know, not a, not even the full ton. Uh, there's got a unit of, I think it's a unit of 10 uh, Blightlord Terminators, all with um, Bubonic Axe and Combi Bolter, a unit of Death Guard Possessed to offset the need for the all the... Um, all the Poxwalkers, a unit of five Death Shroud, a unit of three Test Shroud, a unit of three Death Shroud, and a Tallyman. That is the entirety of the list. So run that down for a quick recap. 99 Poxwalkers across five squads, uh, 10 Blight Lords, a big unit of Death Shroud, a unit of five, two units of three, one unit of Baby Possessed, and then just yeah, a couple of buffing characters. It's pretty lean when you get to these kind of things. A lot of these Death Guard lists can really blow out with all the, the little characters you can put in here, there, and everywhere. Hasn't got any fights last year, which was an interesting omission. Um, but yeah, he's just leaned well and truly into having either only Poxwalker bodies or only Terminator bodies. And so he kind of splits your efficiencies between those two options. Because you don't have a third. There is no third option you're shooting into one of those profiles no matter what so, you do remember the pox blockers have to be offset by bubonic astartes that's why probably yeah. why you said some of the choice and you mentioned that in in the list but before we got you know maybe analyze this list does anyone have anything to say about death guard does anyone does anyone on the panel right now <laughs> maybe want to talk about death guard at all want to say I, anything I, about it? i don't know I, i'm sure jason is is a is a nice guy i don't uh i don't particularly know why he's playing this army it seems <laughs> It seems as boring as watching paint dry. Um, he really has no shooting. He just walks across the board and hopes he doesn't die. And yeah, I mean, a lot of things will have a hard time killing some of this stuff. But um, but you know what won't have a hard time killing this? Noise Marine from Emperor's Children. Uh, they'll, they'll pick up all 100 Foxwalkers in a single turn if they can see them. So and, a good, uh, a good man. Alan, a good mate of mine is coming to this event. His name's his name's Lee Abbey, and uh, he's bringing noise marines in Dreadclaw drop pods. Okay, hands. so Lee, Lee, yeah. friend of the show, um, <laughs> if, if he plays, if he plays Jason, uh, Jason's gonna feel really bad because he brought like nothing to a uh, absolute gunfight, like a crazy gunfight. So I, I mean, I get it. It's an army that you know, if it was fast, I can see it being fun. But it's not fast. It's just slow, hard to kill, takes up a lot of board, and hides and then counterattacks. And I get it. 
I get it. I understand why well, it's good. It's they, pretty clear. It they're faster. They're faster than you think they are. They have that eight. That have that one. That um, I think it's two or three CP, and they get that eight inch move. So they do just kind of slingshot up faster than you think. And then when they start regening guys, because you you pinch it into them, which I, I believe is a mistake. If you if you can't kill all twenty, don't bother. Well, um, with, with terminus bring back. it doesn't matter if you do. Uh, you can still. Yeah. So there's there's multiple ways to get a lot of these poxwalkers back. So it's it's you're trading CP for extra points. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So what you what you want to do if you're facing this and uh, noise rings are actually a great a great example nuke a 20 man dead and then five to seven from every other squad do not try and nuke a second one down you go nuke one 20 mans force them to use the re-rack strat and then just nuke like a, a, around about a third of every other squad and then it makes all them all manageable for next turn really? trying to take away like 60 uh, to 80 of them in a turn or even 40 in a turn you just you're just going to fail you know why because the, a smart player always has a tail of five or six of them peeking around obscuring and then you'll get down to that and you'll you'll, you'll have over or under committed i am um, i am loath to agree with alan on this uh but uh, noise <laughs> marines really stack up incredibly well against this army because although they they can bring folks back you kill a noise marine it's taking, I mean, taking so, folks so with it. Dread, yeah, so do the dreadnought armies, right? Like all of the space marine pivots to dreadnoughts, heavy dreadnought shooting. I mean, Lenin's army just peels this off the board. It's like a hundred and something shots a turn with the redemptors and the vault and the contemptors. I mean, it's just so much, mm. so much shooting, you know. And I just feel like there's like whenever, whenever I play an army and I, I'm like deploying and I go, you can't get to me turn one. You can't charge me with anything turn one. You provide no threat turn one. You can't shoot me at all, pretty much, that I'm worried about, uh, at range at least. Like, I, I just immediately, I feel like I have the advantage. I feel like I'm going to play the game. I get, I, get the, I get the benefits. The benefits are insane board control, really hard to kill, high resilience. You know, if, if well, you do get close, the Terminators punish you. But, um, but at the end of the day, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of armies right now that have the firepower to handle this. And I think Don't I discount. Yeah, it don't don't discount the the ignore injury on the poxwalkers and the effect to bring them back. I mean, I think it's it's you you can have some demoralizing turns uh, against mm. someone, and if just with a just a little bit of fortunate rolling, this list becomes just a an, an un- immovable object, uh, which I think can get in the heads of players very early. Well, so, and, and speaking to that, this is trying to do two things. Like, it's, like I said, it's got like 20, 20 Terminator bodies in here in addition to all the Poxwalkers. And so let's say you have nothing but Noise Marines. Noise Marines don't do diddly squat to 20, 21 Terminator bodies. They'll, they'll wear them down over time. But if you're going to spend all your, all your game picking up 100, 100 Poxwalkers, do you have time left to kill the Termies? <laughs> no, like you literally do right so you have a banner i, mean, I can walk you through it you have a banner you have reroll right. all room right you can shoot twice every turn because you have you have reroll because you're slanesh you sure. can go to strength five damage two right so you're all damage, damage two, two doesn't, doesn't matter here they're all minus one that's true so that's that's their that's their saving grace you're right there that's that's where you're right so i'm glad i walked through it actually because you are correct you need it so you need something else in the list which you will have yeah you do the unit's 350 points, so you have, we're, we're talking yeah. about lining up this versus this in in a you know a bowling alley or whatever. That's that doesn't happen when we actually start playing the game. But but I do. I mean, Alan, I absolutely do agree with you. I think that this Slanesh does have the tools, but will those two meet? And that's what's interesting about this number of players here is that they realistically could, and this will be a showdown. Yeah, that absolutely. would be cool if it is a showdown. And that's just an example, right? That's my favorite example. I think Admac. I think you know Admac for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of other lists. All the Dreadnought type I, of armies can also do this. I agree. Battle, ooh, sister, ooh. 
So I agree, Ad, Admech is a really rough trot for this kind Ooh. of list because the thing is, you've got 20 dudes and they've got 20 dudes and your 20 dudes need to get to those 20 dudes to do stuff. Those 20 dudes can sit 30 inches away and just yeah. smash your 20 dudes. You fire three dudes. times to every one of yours. You yeah, you're yeah, not going to six yeah. your way out of out of that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you mentioned the ones the you know the 99th Poxwalker. I don't know if that's some significance to to the player, but just be a points thing. It's it's a very uh, easy place to peel off five points because he comes yeah. in right at two thousand. And I do like his character choices. So the malignant plague caster, you know, it's got that extra mortal wound on a on a set. So what I like about it is it's a low cost character mm. and you're getting something free for doing something you're already doing anyway. You're going to be casting your psyche powers. And if you just happen to roll above a seven, then you also happen to do a mortal wound. And that is, you know, value town everywhere. Yeah, and look, he's got the Plague Skull in there as well, which can pop off like a bucket of mortal wounds um, if you you decide to get... I mean, I love that. I don't know why I don't see that thing more often. That thing is, is savage. Um, so yeah, look, I like. I think it's a well-constructed list for what it is. I think it'll go far. But yeah, like I said, I think this is definitely one of those lists where it's just a perennial four and one. Um, and I I think it's going to start losing power and they're going to have to start looking to like... Man, I, I, when I see a Death Guard list and I see it's Terminus Est, I secretly go, ah, no PBCs, yay! Um, and so I think that's something exactly. the Death Guard police need to home in on. Yeah. Do you, you have you have the best or equal best contemptors in the game. Those in PBCs together make a, such a really good firebase. Two of each is mwah, perfect to do so much annoying crap, and you still have so much of an army left to play. And with. I think you yeah. need the uh, the flyer guy with the buzz the buzz thing. There are two of them, probably. Yeah, the flesh mowers. No, the fetid blood drones with the flesh mowers. And I don't want to second guess the, the pilot of the list or whatever, no, no, but no. putting wings on a demon, on a Death Guard demon print, you don't even get 12 inches out of it. Uh, so it's an interesting thing of do you even really want to do that? Of course, more movement is better sometimes. And, uh, and, and it may come down again. You know, what are you going to do with those 15 points? Uh, and then I will point out, though, that all, everything that you just mentioned of what might be a great alternative is a vehicle, and vehicles cannot exist in the Terminus S army yeah. list. And so you lose access to some of that recyclability, and so that's not yeah. what they're going for here. Where I really like this list is that in a lot of the AdMech lists that I'm seeing right now that are total full baller gun lines they have strength four shooting um prolifically with all the little stubbers and stuff they've got but apart from that everything's anti-tank like do you know what do you know what do you know what eight do you know what 12 chickens can't kill 20 pox walkers yeah, well, mm, yeah but they'll pop, they're exactly they'll pop the terminus that's what he's trying to he's, he's trying to he's trying to divide your he's trying to divide your profile he's saying no matter what you've taken some of your stuff is wasted here that um, matters anyways. when you know when you have target confusion it absolutely matters and, and that that is something you can work into any list build i know we, we spent a lot of time talking about death guard but i wanted to to showcase that how they did pull up some podiums last week when you know so there were there were i'm not saying who but there were some naysayers around around the office here <laughs> Jason, <laughs> prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Go for it, Jason. What do we got booty. next? All right. Uh, we, have, we have a little one here that's worth talking about. This is a gentleman close to my heart. He's a good friend of mine named Matt Jackson. He has taken Chaos Knights in addition to Empress Children as well. So this is the first little ingress for Empress Children. There's a couple of others, uh, but we're not going to – we're going we're gonna, to we limit ourselves to talking about a bits, some bits and pieces. And the reason I want to talk about this is because it has mutilators in it. And holy crap, we need some unpacking. I'm going to hand pass over to Alan for that. But running through the list starts off with a super heavy detachment. He's got a Knight Despoiler, a Knight Tyrant. Um, for those who don't know, the Tyrant is the, um, the Castellan. Um, and the despoiler is the is that the spoiler is the crusader yeah no no sorry apologies the, this despoiler has a reaper chainsword and a thermal yeah. cannon so it's a yep. paladin no not paladin um no, Aaron. 
Aaron. Aaron, yeah. He then's got two units of uh, two Moiraxes with two lightning, a lightning lock and a siege, siege claw each. I do kind of like how he's diversified that. He's gone one claw, one lightning lock. To if it, but if it was me, I'd have two with both lightning locks and then maybe two war glaives or war dogs instead. But it, this is his flavor. This is what he likes to do. Um, then he goes to an Empress Children Patrol. This one starts with the Chaos Lord. Uh, with the jump pack and the super lightning claws. And then he has, a, just a unit of kind of space marines, three mutilators. I'll say that. This is the first time I think I've said mutilators out loud um, in ninth edition. But he doesn't have, just have one, which I have heard arguments for before. He has three, a unit of three. And then he has two units of raptors. Now, I'm going to slap this over to Alan. I want you to tell us a story about the mutilators. Why are they there? What is he doing? What do they exist? Let me go down the lightning lock if I can, just before we jump to that, just just so because you mentioned yeah. that you would you would possibly double up on that, and that is mm. a thirty six inch range, heavy six weapon, strength six, neg two AP one damage each time an attack is made with this weapon, and an unmodified hit roll of six scores two additional hits. So it's got a little bit of that kind of like Tesla feel to it. So you could potentially lay out a ton of firepower, and 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 it sounded like you said that would be the optimal build potentially instead of a a close combat weapon and. Uh, and, and one, a single one. Yeah, for my taste. And so the, for those who don't know, the real power here is the fact that um, Iconoclast Knights can choose to take some mortal wounds and get extra damage on their weapons. So those those lightning locks go to damage two. I mean, they take the the, the, the chassis takes, I think, is D3 mortal wounds. Um, but then you just got two damage on that chassis. And he's taken a custom household, which um, gets... A, is a, you, you looked up that, Alan. It's the free reroll one, yeah? Yeah, it's the reroll uh, damage. Uh, number of shots. Number of shots. Yeah. So you're able to reroll yeah, the so, D6 on the Inferno and the D6 on the other gun for the other knight. Which is which is prime for a Castellan chassis, yeah? yeah. You get that on your um, D3 auto cannon, your two D3 auto cannon shots. You get that on your plasma decimator shots. You get that on your volcano lance shots. So it's really the house you take when you want to activate that chassis, that that one. But um, mutilators, what the hell? Yeah, I must say, bring some sanity to this. Oh no, mutilators are awesome actually. So oh. um, <laughs> no, they are, they are, they are. So when Ninth Edition dropped, I don't know, I think it was Fred Fortman from the Chicagoland area. Me and him were talking about mutilators, I think, somewhere. I can't remember where, but it was right when ninth dropped. I mean, they're 35 points a model. They have like three wounds with a two-up save. They're, it's just so efficient from a points perspective. You're getting a two-up, put them in cover. They're at a one-up, right, with three wounds each. Very cheap. You're not charging them with a unit from reserves because they're good in close combat. They're like strength five. They got like D3 attacks per guy, negative D3 damage. And D3 wounds, because they have just crazy melee weapons. And their strength is also plus D3 from 5. So uh, It is, yeah. Plus D3 strength, yeah. uh, neg D3 AP, and D3 damage. You know, flips on the on obliterator shooting yeah. profile. Which I love, because I'm an orc player. I love randomness. They're just hilarious. And for 35 <laughs> points, you know, times 3, you're paying basically a little over 100 points for 3 dudes to sit somewhere on an objective and just zone it out. You're not going to And they, they do have the hateful here. assault, so it's four attacks apiece with all those the stats mm. you're talking about without before you now, do anything to buff them. Can they uh honor the prince? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, they can so, definitely honor the prince. They can, they, can, they can go in reserves for free. You don't even yeah. have to pay. And then you can honor the prince with them as well. And you can try to take your opponent's objective if they're holding it with mm. some small unit in their backfield. You can do that too. So I mean, yep. he only has one unit, so he might be using them that way. But um, but yeah, I think for for the cost, you know, they're they're a very efficient unit. Um, you know, if, toughness, resilience-wise versus versus points. If they had movement six, they'd literally be blade blade blade, blade guard. Sorry, yeah. 
Yeah, same three wounds. You know, you get one worse invuln, but you get one better toughness. Like it's very comparable there. Thirty-five points a piece as well um, between the two. And arguably the blade guard are more resilient, but arguably the the mutilators slap better when they get there. Yeah, I think I think yeah. Obviously, blade guard are just gross, but um, but I mean the mutilators have that two plus, and they still have a five plus invulnerable save. Uh, and then if they're in the Emperor's Children Detachment, which in this list they are, they, they, they get Strike first as well, which is really nice. So, I mean, if, if they survive a combat, they can even keep going. So, so I mean, are, put them are in the they, backfield. Are good. they really there, do you think, for their stats, or are they there just for points of secondary scoring? No, I think, I think he took them for more than secondary scoring. I think he's taking them to bully a unit that someone mm. is holding with nonsense. Someone is holding something yeah. in their backfield with so, nonsense. He can honor the prince and guarantee the charge with this unit. And he's not really honoring the prince with anything else. I mean, he's not using nah. his raptors. Um, he, he may have, if he could have took three fasts, maybe he would have took another raptor squad yeah. instead of the mutilators, but he can't because I think it's a patrol. So yeah, it is. I was actually, yeah. I was legit going to say exactly the same thing. I was like, if he could have taken more Raptors, I think he would have. I think he would have. And yeah. I think he did. He didn't have the points for Terminators, so he's like, okay, don't have the points for a Terminator bomb. What's the next best thing? Holy crap! Mutilators Mutilator. exist. Yeah. <laughs> ah. yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a unit that can come out behind his opponent, try to get that charge with Under the Prince, and that's that's one turn of engage he's getting without wasting the Raptor squads. So like that unit comes down two or three Raptors come down two. He's getting those points for engage, trying to get three every single turn with that. Well, do you think about the pressure and the duality of this list? He's got one big knight with combat weapons, uh, with a with a Reaper chainsaw. And he's got four little knights with combat with with half half as well. He's possibly got five knights coming into your face. Can you turn around and deal with three obliterators if they just drop onto your home objective and kill your ten guardsmen? You know, or a quiv. Yeah. You're like, crap. I don't know if I can. Yeah, I think so that's exactly what he was looking for. I had to look up Honor the Prince uh, because we've mentioned it as, as a powerful thing. And then, and then I remembered that uh, there's a U in it when we're <laughs> in, the, in the Codex. Uh, uh, anyway, so use the stratagem in your charge phase after making a charge roll for an Emperor's Children's Slanesh unit from your army. You can change the result of one of those D6 rolled mm. to a 6. So on your you, can six. Re -roll. you can also yeah. use your reroll. So if you don't roll a 3... Right. Yep. So if you roll two dice, you get a one and a two, or a one and a one. You could, or two and a two. You could pick them up for one CP, re-roll them, and then change the dice to a six. Flip as point well. to a six. It's yeah. it's over an eighty-five percent chance success rate. So well over eighty-five percent. I think it's in the ninety percent success rate that these guys just auto make a charge from Brazil. I failed it once um, against Kyle Perry from LA. Kyle, you know you beat me because of that. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, man! Like, and and I don't want to say this uh, too prolifically because I know how much Alan. Um, will want to stake a claim on this but man empress children have been showing up a lot in australia some of our best some of our best chaos players have been on that empress children train for a long time um lee abby the gentleman who's running um the the empress children i said the the noise marines and drop pods he was going to take um essentially what matt morisoli ended up winning uprising with which was two um two terminated bombs um from reserve with a bunch of like all the best demon stuff keepers you know beasts all that stuff and that that list was incredibly well balanced for that matter Furies. of the time like yeah, yeah. Dude, you think about what Harlequins were trying to do back then? You're just like, here's two units of Beast of Nurgle that can heroically intervene, you know, string it across three objectives. You can't touch crap or else you're just going to get mauled. Um, and then all these Terminators come down, double shoot, double fight, blah, 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 auto charge. Um, but yeah, they're all starting to do these little bits of little bits of evolution. And with the Deathclaw bit coming in as well, I think there's some pretty pretty nifty stuff in the future for them. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens once these guys get their extra wound. Like two wound Noise Marines right now are good as long as there's units for them to hunt. You know, um, as soon, uh, well, uh, dude, uh, if, if noise marines stay in the same iteration they are when there's toughness five boys, 
Noise Marines are in a good position. Very good position. As long as, long as they have the one CP for vets in the double shoot, they are going to be monsters. They're, they're going to lose double shoot probably. And, uh, and probably vets. Like vets is going to change to something else. Like yeah. realistically. Uh, you want to list... run down? Yeah, the Admech list and see what see what's yeah, in that thing. Next it's, list, it's a lot. I'm gonna... The shoes here. This is Adam Shoein of the pick of the day. I'm holding up my bricklaying boot because it's Adam Shoein list for the event. I'd like to see what you guys think of this one. Uh, and I've talked to this guy quite a bit about this list. His name's Sam Dutney. He's a very much one of the, the biggest up-and-comers um, that we have in Australia. He's a, a gentleman with a lot of drive. Starts with a, a Lucius Patrol, uh, you know, obliquitous Sekatari Marshal. One unit of 20 Vanguard. Um one unit of five uh, infiltrators, one unit of five rust stalkers, three chickens, las cannon chickens, a unit of uh, mint unit of service raiders, two uh, fuller saves, so that's the gunship um, chicken flyer thing, um, and then two dune riders. Then he has another patrol. This one starts with another marshal, two units of five rangers, uh, two units of three service raiders, and two stratoraptors, the bombers. And uh, then lastly, he has another Lucius patrol. A manipulus, two more units of five rangers, and another bomber. So that's uh, three bombers, two two of the gunships, um, three chicken walkers, three units of three service raiders, and then a bunch of different size units of um, of uh, troops. One block block of twenty, uh, five men infiltrators, five men rust stalkers. So it's apart from the twenty man, it's all MSU'd around the five planes. I find this list very nice. interesting. It can do a lot of different stuff. Um, I've talked to him, I've since talked to him, and he's played a bunch of practice games because naturally a lot of this stuff because um, these lists for this were submitted about two weeks ago. So he didn't have a lot of time for practice games with this. And he says he's fallen, he's falling out of love with the the gunships. He says just like a chicken is just better than a gunship uh, for the points. I wouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so that's says, actually going to be my question for for Alan is, do flyers do anything? What's up with all oh, these yeah. flyers? Yeah, I think I think in – so on paper, and I can't speak for, for this gentleman, uh, Sam, but um, but I do believe on paper he was trying to design an army list that beats Dark Eldar. Yes. Um, whether it goes first or second. He's really focused mm-hmm. on Dark Eldar. Very, very, very focused on Dark Eldar. So he's trying to close the distance of the board before the Dark Eldar closed the distance on him blow up the vehicles on their side of the board and then take advantage of that with all the MSU after yeah. that. that. That's clearly his approach. I love um, his transports. He's got a bunch of vehicles in here, which, you know, not everything matches up against very well. Yep. No, he, he does. Yeah. And I, I, I don't like the gunships. I like the bombers. Bombers are great. I don't think you need more than two. I think two is pretty much the sweet spot for them. I think yeah. he's over committing a little bit to the dark Eldar, uh, you know, meta. I think he's forgetting that sisters exist slightly. Um, and I, I think he's, he's, he's kind of, He's a little too stretched MSU. I think he's, he's found a really good spot in between and he does have, you know, uh, you know, that one brick that we saw in the original patrol, but overall I'd like to see more bodies in the new admech. Um, it, it might be a model issue or he might just want to go this MSU route, but I feel like he mm. really tailored hard for dark Eldar and he's missing a little bit of uh, what he needs probably for sisters. So I, I'd like to see him go against sisters and see how he does. Yeah, me too. I, like, I want to see him go against Drakari and see if this actually works um, as he wants it to. Because you're absolutely right. He's tailoring a lot for Drakari and a lot for Marines as well. He's got a lot of good Marine killing tools. That yeah, unit of Vanguard like picks up just about any Marine unit that you've got. Um, I don't, don't care what it is. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really do like the way he's gone with it. I have talked to him a lot about this this list. I'm of the opinion one bomber. That's it. Just one. One to keep him honest and one to do the shenanigans. Um, yeah. and, and that's because I feel like the model, every, because everyone's getting more mortal wounds, either Admech wants to go wholly into the mortal wounds or away from it. Um, 
That's just my preference. I know for a fact this gentleman um, in particular is trying to steer away from the 20-man bricks. He feels like that's a trap for the time being and that everyone is so fearful of them in the meta that they, he's going to see like all the, you know, the plasma interceptors are coming back or all, all the stuff that's just going to smash off 20 Marines. And he feels like that's just going to steamroll into the 20-man sisters units and the orc boys. So he's like, okay, pump the brakes, not, bought, not going out and buying 300 um, Skatari Vanguard stuff. I'm going to MSU. I'm going to try and play this alternative play style. I, I what can do you guys think? That. Yeah, I can respect that a lot. And I, I do think that the flyers are going to struggle with things like you just get, can get spread too thin. Your opponent can look at your list and go, how do I make sure you cannot claim any objectives? How do I make sure that I'm going to always be mm. points ahead of you? And those are those are easy targets. I shouldn't say easy targets. Uh, not easy necessarily to, do, to deal with, but they are present on the table and they're in the mind of your opponent to deal with at all times. And I think that's, that's a of a, of a drag on those things and so i think he has too much focus there but you know i i, I like the list though i, I will say mm. that it, it it's actually well put together i think it's focused i believe that you he can maybe rely on uh, their skill early early in the rounds and then he may me plan to see drakari in round four and five or later whatever how yeah. deep the rounds go and he's gonna he's gonna have the tools to do with them so you know we, we could see a lot of, out of this list yep absolutely um I think we've got a we've got a discussion point we want to talk about from Alan up next. Sorry, Paul. Oh no, we're getting close to it. It's almost Fuego Rapido time, so we gotta oh. we gotta make it quick. We can go Fuego Rapido. Let's do it. Uh, <clears throat> let's let's herald this thing in. This is the inaugural soundbite for the <laughs> Fuego. Fuego Rapido. <laughs> Oh man, that's gonna turn some people off pretty thoroughly. <laughs> the soundbite might not make it to the rebroadcast of the show. <laughs> you heard it. You swear you heard it. I gotta find the topics. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll go. We'll go a minute and a half, I reckon, on this round. What do you guys think? Let's do it. All right, so here we go. Uh, chess clocks for more for uh, rounds for tournaments that have more than four rounds. Should it be mandatory? No chess clocks are not needed anymore in ninth edition. I take look. We may not Ooh. take the whole minute. What you got, oh. uh, Adam? I think for the time being, they absolutely. I think they should be mandated that if you if you hit T whip, you play with a chess clock until the end of the event. Until I, until such a time when we have statistical data to back up the fact we don't need them anymore. T-Whip means uh, your you could be in tournament winning position. You are, you have, you are su sufficient record to where that you are uh, playing for some type of uh, podium, including winning position yeah. of the tournament. So that, and that means, so that means you're either four and O or five and O going into like the, the last round or second last round. I'm really uh, glad. In a five round tournament. Uh, Sorry, so on what? No, I just said I'm really glad I met you, Adam, because I, I never disagreed with anyone more. So it's set a new ball. We got 30 seconds, Alan. Do you, do you want to expand on why do you, you want to yeah, rebuke, rebuke me, man? I mean, unfortunately, right now with ninth, I feel like because we're not doing a differential, most games are over by turn three. Agreed, so eh. I, I really don't think there's a need for chess. I've never personally not finished the game. I think our Same. round times have also got longer. Um, I think if you have players who are notorious for not finishing games, I can name five right now. I'm sure you can too. Um, they should just be docked. Like there's a new code of conduct, con code of conduct, and if you have a reputation for not finishing games, you need to be penalized in some way. Because there we go. We're at the end of that. Games. Where now contrast paints hot or not? Now I all, have... we all we're all painters, right? I mean, we know we're talking about st stats and we're talking about winning, but we all paint. Uh, Adam, we'll start with you. 
What do you I have yet to purchase a, a contrast paint. I've not used one nor bought one, and I've not yet found the need to. I hear they're a very good product. I do not like the idea of painting an entire model with them, though. I think they should be used as a tool, like any other paint, like a glaze, like a shade. Uh, when I see models that are entirely painted with contrast, they either look amazing or not. Alan, what do you think? I think I feel sick to my stomach because I'm going to agree with Adam on something. Yeah, um, suck it, Alan. Yeah. No, contrast paints are really, they're great to apply all your base coats. I think they're actually really good. So, but, but you have to actually shell out for the primer. They do not work with Home Depot primers or any other primers. It's just not going to happen. You have to buy their gray primer and you could put all the base colors on. And then after that, I recommend, you know, using traditional paints, working all your highlights up, even some base coats and some layers, I would go back with the regular paint after that. But you save so much time because that second layer you apply is just instantly better it almost looks like you did it with an airbrush gun because that contrast paint is so thin so it, it, I, that's how i do it typically um and that's how i recommend using them I, I think anything is a tool and what you know we might refer to as like hobby hacks or cheats other artists and real you know real people with talent they they, they create they call it a technique uh and these contrasts you can work them into your techniques and i've seen beautiful painted models with with all contrast and i just ran out of time I know. I apologize. Okay, uh, sporting 40 k merch. You know, there, there's a there's a whole a Warhammer merch site with uh, yeah with branded things, or even art, and then you've got tournament shirts. Is it cool to wear them out in the rest of the world? Absolutely. I mean, to the gym, yeah. I I, I actually don't <laughs> typically wear too much forty k stuff out. The most forty k stuff I have is my team stuff. So this is my husband's team. With uh, all the has-beens of 40K, Ben Moley, Nick Rose, Greg Sparks. Brad's on this shirt. I don't think Chester's a has-been anymore, so that's different. But I, I have all the – Come, come back around. Stuff. I, yeah. I like so I like it. There's several things that I'm proud of. My team as well. I wear my team my team shirts around tournaments that I've been a part of that you know that I've I've ho helped host or or stuff like that. I love it. Like the 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 Nopen shirt that that Adam's wearing, and some of them just look cool. I mean, there's there's yeah, they just look neat, cool art. Uh, and so whatever you feel comf confident and comfortable in, I say, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I got to make some GG stuff too. And I, yeah. Where's Absolutely. our swag? Tell Val we need frontline swag. Thursday show yes. swag. That's yes. what we need. I need to be wearing something that says Thursday show. I can My turn to agree with Alan. My turn to agree with Alan. That's there. absolutely brilliant. I got a sweet FTN logo. I love wearing that thing. It's a, yeah, you know, especially exactly. I, sometimes the whole family would go out and be like, what's that? You know, like you tell, you get to the conversation point or whatever. It's a starter. Uh, three seconds left. And I don't think we have any dissension on this. Rapido. Um, I'm not sure what we're going for. Is it how much is too much? I guess uh, maybe for a model I, or. I, no, no. How much is too oh, much tournament. to pay for a tournament entry? Yeah. Okay. How much is too much to pay for a tournament entry? What is, uh, what's the criteria? Uh, Alan, let's start with you. I think it's 20 bucks a round. So if you're paying for games, I think $20 a round is a good number for a large event. So anything that has six rounds or more. I think $20 a round is probably fair. I'm paying $20 to play a game of 40K with a stranger who's going to take it as seriously or have fun with me in a gentleman game and an experience. I think that's fair. Um, I, I do think event organizers have to at least break even. So that will change the price, right? So I think every event organizer needs to break open. I, I would feel horrible if I went to a GT yeah. and I found out that the event organizer lost money. And I've, I've, this has happened to me before. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I just feel bad. So I think that's another big, big thing. Uh, Adam, what you think? 
Uh, I, I tend to agree with Alan on this one as well. Um, 20 bucks a round is pretty good. It's usually three hours of entertainment with like the people, some of the people you like the most on the planet. So usually it's pretty good value for the 20 bucks. Um, that does sound, some people that might be off-putting when they talk about things like CanCon, like LVO, um, when they conceptualize, hey, I'm paying like 120, 140 bucks to go to this thing. I'm not sure if I'm going to, firstly, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to play every round because I might get cut off or might not make the brackets. Secondly, um, you know, I'm in Vegas already. It may, may be an expensive-ish place or location to travel to. And so, yeah, it is a consideration people have got to say. Oh, um, oh we're out of time. I hate oh. to cut you off. I know that's, that's a topic we, we should come back to. Now. Although we have an old yep. topic on here, MSU versus horror. We could probably eat in another two minutes of uh, of uh, into into this. So we're going to break the rules. We're four episodes in and we're breaking rules. Fuego Rapido, <laughs> double time on the on the cost of an event. Uh, so Adam, g- give you 10 more seconds on that. And then I got to jump in. Look, I am totally fine to pay 50 bucks a day. If that if that's oh. an easy way of people are doing it, fifty bucks a day for two day event, hundred bucks, totally fine. Breaks down to pretty much the same as what Alan said anyway. Um, and I think it's a if you just say fifty bucks for a day's entertainment, people find that palatable. People find that okay. It's fifty bucks for a whole day, even if you're only playing two days on the second two two games on the second day. Yeah, when you point. say like that, oh. it may it may it, it makes you know it, it, when you. It, you do have to sell these things sometimes. There's well. economics still selling a product. involved, right? So yeah, there's, exactly there's right. all thing about the TO breaking even and stuff. Like there's there's a whole lot of risk that uh, the TOs make. And and yes, it comes sometimes mm-hmm. it comes down to math. Is that we have the event costs this much, the swag, you know, we have, we have is either donated or this or cost this. The, the or the organization the turn that does this, and so this is by nature what the event is. And then and then if it's if it seems like a high cost, then make it worth it to folks. And that's something that the the LVO and all, the the, the FLG uh, events and Adepticon and Nova and all those things, they make it worth it for you in their approach to things. And so, you know, I, I say that how much is too much? I don't know. It's like, how long is a piece of string? Uh, mm. I, I think it comes down to a value proposition that the organizers uh, present you know, as host of the events and uh, by nature of the economics of what it costs to put on the event in the first place where they are. Oh, and that's it. We are out. So Horace Heresy game setting is it better than the regular 40k game setting for both games and balance and stuff? What's what's your opinion, uh, Alan? Uh, wait, wait. I mean, we went back to Adam, so technically I got to go to Alan first. Alan, what do you think about that? Okay, uh, Horace Heresy, awesome books, awesome story, awesome background, awesome fluff. Game boring. Everything is Marines. Boring game. Not fun. I don't care. Where are orcs? Where are orcs? Are they in the game? <laughs> no. You, oh, oh man, I I got let me tell you about uh give you a brochure on Ulanor and uh and that's, that's where the orcs are. <laughs> yeah. Uh so Adam, what do you think? Um so I chucked this I, I think I chucked this one on and the the question was, is Horus Heresy a better setting for the game than 40k? And for my mind, yeah. I mean there's there's more going on, there's more intrigue. I don't like the stale nature that um 40k has had for kind of the last ten years. It's starting to get pushed forward a lot now in the last kind of four or five years with eighth and ninth edition. Um, I'd like to see that continue and not just kind of another stale uh, setting for the event for sorry for the game for another five or six years. I want to see them continue to push that forward and not just give us like a vigilance every year and pat us on the head. But um, the I find the, the Great Crusade era stuff, the Horus Heresy stuff, the most intriguing place to read about the fluff and engage with the game. And I think that's I don't think that's a surprise. I think that's even half of what Alan said. He says like well, the story, the setting is just hands down better, but it doesn't have enough diversity to keep people interested. I do agree with that, but I think that's because the Horus Heresy was built to Five be the Horus Heresy. I find the setting of 30K to be better. The setting of the, the Crusade, Mega Arachnids for the Tyranids, the Necrons are still there. We're the out Bile's of time. Still there. We're we, out need of time. Get, we need to get Paul a horn so he could just stop yeah. at him. You know? I like, will say you're supposed, to, you're supposed to play the soundbite. 
one uh, that was the Zeno, whole point, wasn't it? <laughs> Zeno's players seem to categorically agree that uh, it is a worse setting, uh, but yes. uh, but I love the yeah, element great. of playing and I, I love the balance aspect of it. But uh, I'm going out, you know, out of our time as well. So that is bringing us to the end of our show. But there's some uh, interesting topics we want to talk about. We can continue the segment uh, of um, like. Uh, preferred tournament settings and stuff that's that's something we can talk about as we as we go through the these events weekend after week yeah something i wanted to talk about today and i've been talking about to other people is the the idea and i don't know how i don't know how gw is gonna be running tournaments i don't know how frontline's gonna be running tournaments but i do like the idea for these three-day events specifically that we should really start to talk about the the concept of two games saturday and two games sunday everyone's in brackets of 16 and you only play two games. Imagine going to Vegas and you just have two games. You might only be there for four hours, maybe tops. Cause you might finish your second game early and then you can go enjoy Vegas with all your friends and all. Cause that's really why I want to go to an event. And I think if you play the four games to create the brackets on Friday and everyone just plays two and two on all these three day events, I think it's a better experience for everyone. And you can enjoy the, the area more, you have more time to do more things. Yes, Friday will suck. It's four games. But I feel like that is really the way to go. And we will need a differential there, I think, to make sure that's true top 16s in each bracket. Um, but I really, I would really like to start to start a narrative around, um, no pun intended, Paul, to start a narrative around kind of <laughs> like, to share that, yeah. that idea. No, uh, that's, that's that's interesting, and okay. I think I would like to engage in these discussions, uh, you know, with you and the chat about this type of thing. You know, you never know what may come out of it. Well, hey, I want to thank everybody for showing up and watching us live, listening after the fact, and also you guys showing up and talking to us about these tournaments. If um, if you're watching from the tournaments that we talk about, throw some stuff in the in the in the chat about what list you're taking. If you're willing to call your shot, we don't have all the list all the time. And seeing these things and interacting with folks as they're getting ready for the event, uh, we're actually I think we're going to put a clock up every now and then, showing you the basically doomsday clock of how long you have to finish painting and putting together uh, your army on some some of these shows. And uh, that that'll be that'll be fun, especially as we start uh, like being in real time close to some of these things. Uh, Alan, Adam, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this show up? Shout out to all my brothers and sisters playing in the GTO this weekend. Good luck to all of you. I wish I was there with you guys. Um, hope you guys have a great time. One of the first big events by that crew, by that TO group, their first two day are. So good luck to them. They put in all the hard work. Hopefully it's an awesome event. Best of luck, everybody, this weekend. Stay safe. Please like, share, and subscribe. Leave some comments. Do all that stuff you do. Leave us some five-star reviews if you're listening. I don't know where you're listening. But if you do, let us know where you're listening so we make sure that we're there. We'll see you all next week. See you then. <laughs>